What is up, everyone, and welcome to episode 404 of Combo's Court, and you know who it is. I am Combo. Don't forget to rate, review, and check out the Combo's Court Patreon page for bonus Combo's Court content and more. Today's show, Sam S. Fandiari of the Light Years Podcast joins in to talk about the Young Warriors Core, not named Jordan Poole. Do the Mavs have enough to win it all? And who are the top four teams in the West plus much more? Go subscribe to the Light Years Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Fan Diari, welcome back to the show. I see you got your coffee going early morning out on the West Coast. What is new, my man? Ah, just getting excited. The Warriors open camp in a couple days today. Steve Kerr and Bob Myers are addressing the media. Uh, good to get back in the flow. Yeah, I mean, if I would have told you a year ago, I'm sure we've done a pod. It was probably maybe a year ago, the last time mm-hmm. you were on here. But if I were to tell you back then, which I wasn't telling you, that... Um, <laughs> The Warriors are the title favorite, Sam. What would you have said back then? Like, if I told you, I think the Warriors will win this year, what would have been your response? Who'd they trade for? Um, <laughs> I thought they were. Uh, I thought they were a player away last year. Um, I, I liked the roster they had. I thought they were going to be better than the year before when they were in the play-in. But it still felt like they were kind of missing one player. Didn't didn't really know what it was, but was looking for some sort of roster upgrade. And uh, turns out they didn't need it. Turns out they just needed to continue internal development. Andrew Wiggins got better. Jordan Poole got better. Clay Thompson came back. And they're good to go. Yeah, they do a great job of balancing win-now mode and not leveraging their future, right, Mm -hmm. Ed? Do you feel this is the season that we're going to find out more about the three young players? And I'm talking about Moody, Kaminga, and Wiseman. Do you feel this is the season? And sometimes it takes four years to really Mm -hmm. see what an NBA player would be. But do you feel we're going to learn a lot this year about these three players and which one could maybe eventually become a franchise guy? Yeah, I feel like... um... For each one, it's going to be different. This, my gut feeling is Kuminga will probably be a similar to last year where there's flashes, there's periods where you're like, man, this guy could be a superstar. And then there's periods where he's, you know, um, not kind of in Steve Kerr's doghouse you know, on the back of the bench um, working through him. Mean, he is the youngest of the three, so it's not particularly surprising. He still hasn't turned 20, which is wild. Yes. Um, Moses Moody. Uh, he just has a lot of competition at his spot, but he feels like the easiest player for them to insert just because he does so many things that the Warriors value and it's very clear how he fits. And I actually think Wiseman's the one that they need to learn stuff about this year because it's year three. Um, obviously, he missed last year, which was unfortunate with the injury, but they're like a year away from having to make a contract decision with him. So they kind of need to know, they need to have an idea of what they think he's going to be by the end of the year. Yeah, you know, Coach Nick loves Wiseman, and he's not as high on Mobley. <laughs> um, I don't know how much That's I. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know how much I agree because I mean, 
Mobley was an impact player right away. And I think his ceiling depends on, or his perceived ceiling depends on how good of an offensive player he would become. Do you still feel there's a world that Wiseman could become a better player than Mobley? I'm going to say no, um, but I'm, I'm like insanely high on Evan Mobley. So it's more of a, like, I think that guy can win like defensive player of the year, like type of talent. Whereas I think Wiseman has a chance to be really good. So it's, uh, it's more that I was just I was kind of blown away by what I saw from Evan Mobley as like a team as like a rookie, um, particularly defensively. You just don't see rookies impact the game on a defensive end like that. And if he's doing that as a one and done rookie, like imagine what he's going to look like when he's 25, 26, 28, you know? Yeah, it's crazy how there's been rookies coming into the league as plus defenders or even great defenders like. Cade, Scotty Barnes, Evan Mobley, Herb Jones. I feel like there's going to be more impatience now when it comes to rookies because we've seen these anomalies on the defensive side. And that's kind of the thing with with Kuminga, right? Like Kuminga is kind of more on the traditional path of a a one and done teenager where you're like the the talent's obvious, but it's probably going to take him a couple years, maybe three years to put it all together. Um, and it's just like he just he'll just get compared to Cade, Scotty Barnes, and those guys who uh, were just ready younger than him. So that's always always going to be juxtaposed against. But I always like to remind people it's like Kuminga, all things equal. I think he was better his rookie year than I expected him to be in terms yeah. of acclimating. And like think of most of your favorite players, like outside of the LeBron and KD type of players, most guys take like three to four years. You know, you think you look at Jimmy Butler, Pascal Siakam, those guys, Kawhi PG, Giannis, like all those guys, they were, you know, like the talent was obvious when they were rookies, but it was really not until like year four where they like ascended to stardom. Yeah. My quick read on the three is I would say Kaminga has the highest upside. Moody has the highest floor and Wiseman's just the biggest wild card. Yeah, that's that's pretty much where I am. I could I could see Wiseman being the best of the three. I could also see him being like the steadiest, safest player of the three. And I could see him going in a wildly different direction. But that's generally how I'd read it, too. Yeah. So I feel like we talk about Kevin Durant every podcast, but he was all (laughs) there really was to talk about for a little while there. Like it gave us something to talk about. But I always say he's a content machine. Yeah, I always said that like the Nets didn't really want to trade him. That was just my opinion. Look, I mean, I talked about possible trades because it was fun for the podcast and like mm-hmm. a dead time period. But how and 2019's probably reached out to the Nets. Um, how real do you think the talks were between the Warriors and the Nets? And where would you have drawn the line? Obviously, it doesn't matter anymore because he's staying with the Nets, or they might just be getting together to give themselves some more leverage or reset their leverage. Who knows? But where would you draw the line? on the warrior side if it was you making the the decisions yeah it's it's tricky because of his age and injury history like on the one hand he's kevin durant on any given night he's the best player on the floor against anyone Mm -hmm. on the other hand he played 55 games last year he played 30 some the year before he missed the one before that um and because the warriors are clearly capable of winning a title with their current cast i don't think they they, they would need to be all in with like giving up their entire future for a player who's, you know, same age as Steph definitely makes it more likely that they'll repeat, but it kind of puts them in a situation where in a couple of years, everyone's 36, 37, and they have nothing coming up. So I, I feel like they're just another one of those teams who, you know, gave the Nets a offer that was never going to even be considered, you know, like uh, 
Wiggins and one young player and one pick type of thing. And like, if you're the Nets, like, you know, I'd rather, I'd rather have an unhappy KD than do that. So you're happy the Nets almost made it, the Nets and Kevin Durant and his team made the decision for the Warriors. You don't really have to deal with it because maybe it wasn't in the best interest for him to come back for them anyway, right? And and I think the interesting part is like, what if a, what if a Phoenix was really close to swinging a deal? If you're the Warriors, that kind of has to be in your calculus because like if he goes to Phoenix, now they're a lot scarier. They could legitimately beat the Warriors. I mean, they might have been able to beat the Warriors before. I personally thought they weren't as good as their record. Um, and that worked out for you me. See, the I mean, yeah, what? You but, uh, right. Like a combination of what you're saying and just mm-hmm. how good Luka Doncic is basically. Yeah. yeah. But it's one of those things where it's like, okay, I don't know if I want to mortgage my entire future for KD, but if the Suns are about to get him, I might have to go a little more all in because I'd rather have him on my team than have to go against him and Devin Booker and Aiton and those guys. Do you think the approach to this season has to be different? We talked about the young players already. The roster is a little bit different. They lost their Bruce Brown type player in GP2. Um, How do you think they have to approach this season? Because, you know, no two seasons are the same. We've seen like the Knicks and the Hawks fall off when we thought they Mm -hmm. were, you know, ascending upwards, definitely not comparing the Warriors to that team. But you always have to evolve to get better. Do you think they have to approach this season in a different way? Um. I'm curious to see how the contract extension stuff plays out because there is potential for unhappiness. um, If guys don't get extended or feel like there is potential for like a Deandre Ayton type situation with let's say Jordan Poole. He's already being asked to come off the bench, even though he's clearly good enough to start. They had the best record in the league when he was starting, but like, you know, Clay Thompson's who he is. Right. Um, and if he doesn't, if he's unhappy with negotiations, do you do you run into a situation where he's unhappy and you have kind of those locker room issues and chemistry stuff? So that's like the first thing I look at. But beyond that, I actually think if if they don't have those issues, they're pretty well positioned to continue down their two timeline path, at least for this season, particularly since Jordan Poole, who I just mentioned gives them the ability to not have to burn out Steph or clay. Like he's a, he's a legitimate starting guard in NBA. You can, you can rest Steph against like half the teams in the league and start him, which is something they've never been able to do. So uh, in some ways, I think they're, they're in a, they're in a good spot with their roster. So I wanted to shift to Draymond green. To me, he obviously has more value to the Warriors than anybody else. But in my opinion, just because of the culture, you give him what he wants. Where do you land on all of that? Yeah, it's so it's tricky because if the Warriors, the Warriors could play hardball with him and just kind of be like, you know, see what the market has and we'll match it. Right. Uh, yeah. On the other hand, but that I feel like that's Draymond's the one guy who I don't, I don't think we, um, that's going to go over with very well, right? That's what I'm so. saying. Like once you start that, mm-hmm. it's like a downward spiral in my opinion. And it could like, it, it could really mess up like everything. Like it could have a huge, tremendous snowball effect. I mean, I know the Warriors are great at adjusting, but I feel once you start trying to negotiate with them, it's not going to be good. And, and the, no matter how much it looks like Draymond's getting older and it did at times, particularly with the back thing. And like, you know, you, you kind of worried that like, maybe this is his last year being an impact guy. They just don't have a replacement for him. They don't have anything internal. They don't have anyone internally who can like, 
be the interior defensive presence and, you know, do the stuff he does His two man game with Steph is, you know, I mean, at this point, they just, they're telepathic. They know exactly where each other are. Um, so I kind of think the Warriors probably want to extend him. Um, if, if they can get him around the same number he's at right now, I think an extension gets worked out. If he's like pushing for a raise or something, I, I don't know what's going to happen. That gets back to, um, I'm curious to see how, October goes with like the extension talks. I think that is the number one thing that could derail the Warriors season. Do you feel like he's trying to gain leverage through his podcast when he makes the, when he he's makes always, the I mean, He's always trying to gain leverage. Draymond's a Draymond's a motivated guy. Like I'll give him I'll give him uh, credit for that. Like he's he's always trying to 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 seize power where he can. Yeah, I feel like Ben Simmons and the Warriors were always linked. Did you get to watch any of that interview? It came out this morning, so I'm not sure that I, you did. I, I saw clips of it, but I haven't watched the full thing. And you are right. Like, they are always they, – they were linked. Like, they were interested in trading for him, um, but they were never going to meet the price Daryl Morey wanted. Were you surprised when he agreed to go on this podcast and you saw this podcast was coming out? Yeah, I, I – I mean, he's, he's always, he comes across a very like uh, introverted guy, like doesn't want to talk to him. Maybe it's because JJ Redick was an ex teammate. So he felt comfortable that way. In fact, that's probably the reason he was willing to do it. But yeah, I was a little surprised. And like the clips I saw, uh, he seemed like totally natural, like, like nothing had happened. Nothing weird had been going on the last year. Yeah. And you know, if you just listen to him talk and a lot of the things he's saying are simple, but it just shows how high IQ the guy is when it comes to the game of basketball like you just see it right away and it's crazy how everybody's been like criticizing him for the last three years look some of it is because of his actions but I do think he could really help this team if his mindset and his physical is all in the right place I mean he is he's a he's a very good fit with Kyrie and 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 KD like he he wants to do the things that those guys kind of don't want to do like he wants to be a defensive player of the year. I don't think either Katie or Kyrie care that much about like being impact defenders on a possession to possession basis. Uh, he's a facilitator. Let's gets them both off ball. They're both, you know, two of the best scores of all time. Like it, it makes, it makes a lot of basketball sense if they're willing to work together and, you know, kind of put it all together. Do you think they have a chance to come out of the East? Obviously, roster-wise, they do. But do you think they could get it together chemistry-wise where it comes to a point where we just forget about this whole crazy offseason? Because you know when you start winning, that's what happens. Right. I mean, my gut feeling is no, but just that KD is too talented and, quite frankly, Kyrie is too, that I can't, like, ever discount it. Like, there's always there's always the potential. But I don't know. It's like year four, and it seems like something – and it's always off the court, you know, whether it's an injury or like something weird, there's always something there. So, so I don't know. I'm going to, I'm going to bet against it. Too many variables, <laughs> too many, too many variables off the court for me. I don't know if you've been watching Eurobasket, but when I watch Luka Doncic play, all I'm thinking is best player in the world and anybody could point to the defense, but that's just my thought. You know, you just get that feeling when you're watching greatness. It's kind of yeah. like Kevin Durant in the finals, like this is the right. best player in the world. And I get that feeling with Luka. Do you think they have enough? around him to be legit title contenders at this point? No. Um, I think he might win MVP this year. Um, yes, I got him seems, as MVP. Because yeah. it seems like he's coming into camp in shape, which um, hasn't been the case the last couple of years. So um, I think that's going to work for him. But when I just look at that roster, I mean, they didn't get better. They lost Brunson. They didn't actually upgrade anything. Uh, Christian Wood, right? Yeah, I mean, I guess Christian Wood. I feel like people are forgetting about that because, like, it happened almost like right after the season. You are, you are right in, in that sense. I mean, it just, 
they they don't it doesn't feel like they have enough but i think he's going to drag them to 50 plus wins and i think they're i'm with you in the sense of he he can make a claim to being the best player in the world like for me i'd still probably put Giannis and steph ahead of him you can disagree with me on that but like i just think they do a little more but like on the other hand i mean he no one can guard him. Even the Warriors, even Andrew Wiggins, who was phenomenal defensively, got like 40 dropped on him three out of the five games. So, yeah, we, I mean, you've heard me talk about like heliocentric offense. I don't yeah. think it works to the same degree, but I do think like him and LeBron are the guys that could defy that and win the championship anyway through that. Because, well, and they're both guys who don't necessarily need to play that way. They just tend right. to have to. Right. So that's what's frustrating about the Mavs roster. It's like, it's built with him having to play that way, not necessarily like needing to. And it could still work in certain mm-hmm. situations because he's just a total mismatch problem. And then once you double, he's one of the best passers in the world. Yeah. I mean, it, it is, he's a, he's a problem. I think I, I'm just curious to see what Dallas does with it because like, I look at that roster. It's not like I don't like players on it. I'm just, you know, who's, who's their second best player. Who's I mean, potentially like, Dinwiddie? in my, yeah, Dinwiddie, and then potentially, yeah, yeah. In my opinion, he feels like like Christian Wood feels like one of those guys in the right situation. He has the tools to be an all star. Sure. If he does what he did in Detroit on a winning team, mm-hmm. I mean, he could sneak into an all star game or two. Yeah, I mean, he, he's he's really skilled. Even in Houston, I, I know they're rebuilding. It's like he he just he scores really easily for a big man in general. So, so I don't know, but I just look at that roster and it feels so underwhelming to me. That's just where I'm at. Yeah. And I don't know how good Christian Wood is on the defensive side. I don't think it's great. And I think that's very important to actually win games when you're building around Luke. It's not bad, um, but it's not elite either for I do. The um, town. That but. is the one gamble I liked. Um, they're, they're, they're kind of betting Jason Kidd can kind of coach him up on the defensive end, get him to, to care a little more, take a little more pride in it and just, be more of a defensive player. And like, if you're limited with options, I, I kind of like that bet in general, because he's got the offensive, he has the tools to be a defender. Mm-hmm. He just hasn't really done it. And like you, you kind of know how it is. He's been on awful teams. There's not really the onus when you're on a 20 and 62 team to lock in every possession defensively. The opinions on him are polarizing. So we'll see this season because he has a chance to be on a winning team. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, yeah, I, I'm curious to see how it goes, but I'm, overall, I think we're about to get uh, we're about to get Luca's MVP season. I'll put it that way. Yeah, I think it's Luca than Anthony Edwards. That's just my opinion. I think Anthony Edwards takes a leap this season. Are there any players that you feel will have a great chance to take a leap this season that nobody's talking about? I mean, you just mentioned Anthony Edwards. I feel like Minnesota has a chance to be this year's Memphis, like what Memphis was last year. I I liked what they had going last year, particularly with. the the defense they played you know there were there was there's some work to be done and then adding gobert should help on that end they're still they're just long at every position and aggressive at every position and anthony edwards is already on the cusp of breaking out anyway so just they just feel like like my my take is they're gonna have uh they're gonna be a top four team in the west this year um so who's who's your who's your top four in the west um in no order it'll be warriors denver Minnesota and um, I might go Dallas. Honestly, I think how about healthy Clippers? Yeah. Okay. Sorry. That's who I'm forgetting. Clippers over Dallas. That's my top four there. Um, I think Memphis not having a uh, Jaron Jackson for he's out until 
2023 and like foot injury on a big man it's probably going to be longer um i i I could just see them like they're not going to fall off but like you know six seed type of thing right yeah i think you're right chet had the foot injury as well does that and i don't think i mean you know how high i was on chet i don't think Mm -hmm. that everybody is i don't think it's a reason to pull out your receipts to say that he was injury prone like big football players get the same injury Uh, But at the same time, you should get some concerns when a big man hurts his feet like that, especially like the way he is at that size, because we've seen it like, you know, Sam Bowie to Porzingis is more like the knees, but we've seen this before. Um, But I'm still optimistic about that. Yeah, I I mean, I'm I'm optimistic on both of them making a return and being fine. But like if we're talking about in Memphis's case for this season, I wouldn't be surprised if Jaron's foot injury kind of dragged out and kind of, you know, it's, it's unfortunate, but it kind of, it kind of hurts their season a lot this year. Yep. Sam, great stuff. You're always welcome back on the show. Where can, where can we find your work? Yeah. So you can, um, you can subscribe to light years pod. We're on every, you know, pod player, Apple, Spotify, whatever. And you can follow me on Twitter at Samus Fandiari. I'll post anything I do there. Appreciate you for having me. Anytime. Talk soon, Sam. <laughs> there it is. Another episode of Combos Court. Big shouts to Sam for joining in. We appreciate you. If you would like access to bonus Combos Court content, check out the Combos Court Patreon page. I'll leave a link in the description for that. Be on the lookout for episode 405. Combo out.